Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, made in France since 1925. The first and finest enameled cast iron cookware and a favorite for generations. For more information, visit lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in 3, our weekly food news roundup. Fall is finally here, so it's time to get funky and devote an episode to some of our favorite spunky microbes. Fungi just provide this beautiful, whimsical lens on how the world works. They have so many roles. They're this strange and magical-seeming group of organisms, but they've got it all figured out. Should you eat the cheese rind? Can you eat the rind? These are like the biggest questions. We'll answer all of your questions about mysterious mushrooms and crazy curds. Plus, we'll give you a sneak listen to the newest season of Modernist Breadcrumbs. So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Foment About, about it. it on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Rachel Jacobs. My name is Chris Kuzmi. And we are your co-hosts through your weekly journey of all things fermented. Archived wherever good podcasts are found and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It is a beautiful, beautiful fall day. It's November 1st. We had a really great Halloween, a lot of really fun activities. And I'm, I'm still buzzing from an, an activity we did at Fifth Hammer, which was a dog Halloween costume. Oh, yeah. We had to cute. cancel it because nobody showed up in a dog con- uh, costume. But there were a bunch of really cool pups in, in crazy costumes. What was the, who's the winner? Nobody's laughing. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> nobody laughed in the room when I said that joke either. Uh, we, had a, we had some really cute dog, uh, cute uh, kid judges from... From, uh, from the neighborhood, and they, they picked Pikachu as their winner. But the Fifth Hammer house winner was a guy dressed up as Mr. Clean, and his dog was the brawny man. Uh, and that was pretty, <laughs> like the paper towel guy. So that was pretty pretty great. And then the, uh, the popular choice from, from, from the audience was uh, the It Dog. So this dog was kind of oh my thing. God. It was pretty great. <laughs> anyway, but that was all, that's all in the past. We, there are things coming up uh, that we're all excited about. And uh, Rachel, what do you That's have right. on your so agenda? That's right. So tomorrow uh, starts New York Cider Week, which is deceptively uh, about two weeks. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of really cool events. Uh, if you go to ciderweeknyc.com, you can see a, a whole bunch of them. There's a lot going on every day, including... A, a bunch of cider pairings at Brooklyn Cider House, um, a kickoff party at Bad Seed, and Heritage Radio Network is doing an event called Coferment, Blending Co-ferment. Per- Perceptions of Cider, Wine, and Beer uh, from 6.30 to 9 p.m. on Monday, November 5th. If you want tickets, uh, you can just check it out on uh, ciderweeknyc.com and see all of the other cool events going on there. Um, what else is going on this week? Well, the uh, the American Home Brewers Association is celebrating its 40th year this year, and uh, this upcoming Saturday is the 20th annual Learn to Homebrew Day. And there are a bunch of events happening all over the country that you can find out at homebrewersassociation.org. Uh, and it's and uh, man, this homebrew world is kind of what brings us has brought us all together today, even on this show. And I'm, I'm thankful for 
uh, all the flavors and just making life taste better and having more fun and the people I've met. And uh, anyway, learn to homebrew. It's never too late. Uh, lots of stuff going on. And if you can't find an event that's actually happening near you, I strongly recommend having fun, trying it, going your way yourself. Check out homebrew, uh, howtobrew.com uh, just by getting John Palmer's book and taking it right there. It's a great place to start. Um, or check out some earlier episodes of this if you need some inspirational fodder. Maybe we get into some things. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little Just bit. Just a little bit. Uh, but also that same day, if you're in the neighborhood, uh, at the well, uh, Brew for a Cure, one of the homebrew clubs, uh, is putting on an event uh, from poor standards of the homebrew club. They are they are in Richmond County, otherwise known as Staten Island. Uh, <laughs> and they're What's put- that? <laughs> they're putting on a, a really great, uh, a great event called uh, Brew for a Cure. And, uh, and it should be... Really fun. Ooh, I'm wrong. It's not poor standards, actually. It's just, just a, a whole conglomerate of, of, of umbrellas. No, it is. It is. It is. I'm right. You're looking at me like but I know. At the well, from uh, from noon to five o'clock, a uh, bunch of homebrew from from the neighborhood uh, here, brewed here mm-hmm. in New York City, and uh, there'll be a competition, both uh, attendee choice, and I'm judging uh, as well. Uh, probably about twenty five to thirty different homebrews. Cool. Split uh, down. I'm not tasting all. I will, I will taste all thirty. I'm not judging all thirty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, how do you get tickets or check out that event? Yes, brewforacure.com.org. All right. We'll <laughs> you Google we'll Brew for a Cure. Yes, I will. And that's all I got for you. But I'm really excited about today's uh, today's guest. That's right. Um, I also, this is long overdue, or maybe I've apologized in the past before. Our guest is Peter Yee. Peter, welcome to the show. Hi. You are here from Brooklyn Cider House. And, uh, I first met you, uh, you came to my birthday party two years ago. Do you remember this? Two and a half years ago, uh, Lindsay dragged you to my birthday party when I turned 40 and I had a cask at this party. And I think... It was someplace uh, in in, in Greenpoint. It was the Diamond. It was the Diamond. And, uh, you know, you guys got there a little late. I'd been hanging out pretty pretty hard. And I think uh, my introduction to you was I gave you uh, wet willies in your ear. I was involved in the staring contest from across the bar. And that was the thing that (laughs) broke the person across the bar. But my hello to you was not a handshake. It was licking my fingers and putting them in your ear. And I'm really sorry about that. uh, I call that the insobriety. (laughs) That was the coup. They call that the Kuzmi hello. (laughs) Anyway... uh, uh, it's great to have you here, and it's really been really awesome to watch what uh, Brooklyn Cider House has, yeah. has done. It's been really great to taste it throughout the way. Uh, but how did this all begin? Who are you? And uh, let's start well, in all these places. Well, first of all, thank you uh, <laughs> for the invite. And um, um, my, my story um, started about uh, five years ago when um, I was on a wine trip. Uh, so I was... Uh, buying wines in Europe and um, going around uh, from region to region, tasting wines. And when I was uh, at a, uh, a wine region in in the Basque region, so um, I, I often go to uh, the Basque region to to taste uh, Chocolis, uh, which is a very very popular uh, wine there that's uh, very food friendly. And um, while I was there, um, chasing through um, Chocolis, a, a friend of mine um, invited me to um, partake in a, um, um, a cider um, cider house uh, dinner. And um, I didn't really want to go because I, I had cider before many times, and uh, it was not something that I was too fond of. What were your What were your perceptions of cider? I mean. Oh. Why were you not fond of it? What are the flavors of the cider that, at that time, that you thought cider was that you did not like or did not care for? 
Well, I, I didn't think it was uh, food-friendly. Food mm-hmm. um, I, didn't, I didn't think uh, it was uh, um, terribly complex. Um, and I, I thought it was just, you know, fairly simple, straightforward beverage that... Um, and uh, it was not not very interesting uh, up until that moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was reluctant, but I, I uh, took the offer and uh, I decided to go to a cider house. So cider house, uh, basically in, in the Basque region, um, it's a cidery, um, but along with a production um, uh, facility, they also produce uh, incredible food. So it's, it's a cidery slash restaurant in one. So um, I um, visited a, a cider house, and while I was there, having food and cider together simultaneously blew my mind. <laughs> it was just a a moment that I, I thunderbolt, you know, moment where I just didn't understand why it took me. Why uh, so long in my life to discover cider? Sure. It, it, w- it was that incredible. It was so impactful that I uh, told myself that I'm going to be in this cider world. Mm-hmm. And I gave up my wine, 25 years of being in the, the wine industry. And What was your wine, role in the wine industry then? What was my goal? The role. The role? role? Yeah. Um, my, my role was to eat great food, taste top. 10% of the wines uh, produced in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would go and taste the, um, the previous vintage, the current vintage, and next year's vintage. Wow. So I, I would go and, and, and try the um, try the different uh, wines from um, several vintages and select the one that I want to work with and, mm-hmm. and go along with the, the really spectacular uh, vintages and and try to avoid the uh, you know the vintages that are spotty gotcha mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, um, yeah so I, I would go select wines buy wines uh, and uh, sell wine so I was involved in the uh, retail aspect uh, here mm-hmm. in this country and, and so too um, back then in, uh, 38 states wow um, and um, so we specialized in, in a lot of uh, European wines. Um, Spain uh, was one of our one of my fortes. So I, I loved uh, Spanish wines and some of the uh, the really uh, age-worthy Spanish wines were were something that was a, a special passion of mine. So we were the only game in town. You know, 20, 20 years ago. You know, if you wanted to buy a you know, 64 uh, Lario Alta, um, 890. There wasn't a, a, a bunch of stores that, <laughs> would, that, that would carry that. You right. know, but you know, we we had that. Uh, so many people from across the country would order this uh, special bottles of vintage uh, Riojas and and uh, you know aged uh, Vega Cecilia, vintage uh, uh, Ribera de Dueros and, and, and stuff like that. So we, we had a very, very fun, interesting business and uh, 
loved every day up until I discovered until Cellular. Yeah. Yeah. How many people is that? Is that business still uh, up and running? It's uh, but just it, it is uh, yeah. So um, it um, it's PJ Wine was the the name of the company, mm-hmm. and it's still. Um, it, it, it's still um, doing well, but I'm no longer involved in, in PJ Wine, so I gave that uh, that incredible job up, along so you, with uh, along with uh, you know going to incredible oh, yeah. restaurants and, and sure <laughs> just drinking things. wine for work, when this yeah. when this snapped when this clicked and you're like I want to be part of this world. What was the next step? Had you ever had you ever personally made a wine or or a cider at the time? Um, I have never uh, tried uh, making cider uh, because I had no interest uh, right. up until that point. But uh, wine, I, I definitely uh, uh, made wines uh, mm-hmm. in the past. I, I did a lot of blending. Um, I, I made wine. I, mm-hmm. I also uh, uh, own a vineyard in Argentina okay. as well. So um, I, I definitely have... Um, some experience. Uh, right. I, I can't say that I'm the greatest uh, winemaker, but I, sure, I, I but doubled the, it. But too. the principles of, of fermenting and you know, mm-hmm. you, yeah, I, right. I think my specialty is probably blending because mm-hmm. I, I'm a taster. So I, I think I, yeah. um, I that blending comes very easily to me. Mm-hmm. So you decided to do this. You need to be in this. So you told your peoples that you're, you're yeah, going down this road. What was what was how did you? <laughs> how did you yeah, go down the road? What was the what road did you cider? choose? Um, so, I fell in love uh, with cider. That one taste. It, it took me like seconds. It was. It was like in a second. I knew that I want to do this <laughs> because because I'm a taster. You know, mm-hmm. my 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 job is to discover you know great flavors. So uh, I knew instantly. That I wanted to do this, but um, I, I didn't know exactly how. And I thought about it for a while. And I came back, and my um, my family said, "Peter, you're crazy." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, I I thought, okay, it's not so different from making wine. Um, and it pairs really well with food. So one, one of the things that the hook for me is, is the fact that the beverage, the cider, has to work really well with food. So it's, it's almost as though I'm making a beverage that pairs well with food mm-hmm. first. Before... Yeah. It's kind of working backwards. Yeah, before, like, you know... Um, before making a sip, making a, a beverage that you know um, that drinks well on its own. So right. yeah. yeah. So That's I, cool. I yeah. Uh, um, anyway, so that component was very similar to wine. Um, it also had lower alcohol. Uh, it cider has lower alcohol, so it's um, uh, it's a little bit f- more friendly. Uh, so if you drink a bottle of cider versus a bottle of wine, cider is a little, little bit easier the next day. Right. Mm. So, but but anyway, I came back and and my family was like, "Are you, you know, Peter? Are you serious? I mean, how good is this cider? Show me what, show me what you had. 
And I actually brought back some ciders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I tasted them on it. So I tasted my wife, and I tasted uh, my sister and uh, my brother. And they all tried it. I poured it for them. They tried it. And they kind of looked at each other and said, wow, <laughs> this, is, this, this is what you want to make? Mm-hmm. But I also um, knew um, at that point, it's, you can't do just a cider. If you do just a cider, mm-hmm. the cider that we make, um, it's, it's a very difficult cider to understand. And I think I told you before that um, I didn't like cider up until that moment about mm-hmm. five years ago. I've had cider, the same cider, as the cider that that I fell in love with before. But I didn't see the merits of the cider when I had it on its own. Right. Hmm. But it was only when I had it with the food. Um, it, it, it's kind of like wasabi. Mm-hmm. If you've never been to a Japanese restaurant before, or never had Japanese food before, and someone offered you just a wasabi without <laughs> the fish without the soy sauce mm-hmm. it would it be easy for you to get the wasabi to, right no yeah. it's it's yeah. the same thing i think with this natural cider um many of uh, my friends that are in the wine business uh and in the cider uh industry um tried the cider and they didn't like it hmm. because it takes getting used to Sure. People don't, you know, normally get into, uh, you know, like bitter chocolate or, mm-hmm. or like um, real, real coffee or wasabi or, or natto, yeah. you know, or, or even beer or wine. You know, it, it takes many tries to really understand, understand it. And this cider for me, it's one of the things that I actually like is because you don't like it instantly. Mm-hmm. It takes tries. Uh, but when you get it, it's really incredible. So the time, the, the experience that I had with the cider in the Basque Country is actually the same experience I've, I, I had 25, uh, well, actually 30 years ago when I fell in love with wine. So, you know, I, I tried a bottle of uh, Clos um, uh, and and it was, it was just, just, Burgundy that I just got it. It, I, it was, you know, it was after so many bottles of wine that didn't really do anything for me. Then I tried this Burgundy, and it was just magic. It was, it was, it was like the the first kiss. So yeah. it it yeah. was so special, and I knew that I wanted to be in the wine business when I tried that Burgundy, and it's the same exact experience with the cider. So, do you remember uh, what 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 types of foods were at that first cider house? And you 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 didn't start immediately with the with the food uh, place here in Brooklyn. Uh, how did so? What was the step that? Well, two questions. One is what kind of food was was what made that click? And then uh, second is so now now your family's convinced. What was the next step? To now. So. Um it it took uh, it took some convincing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they were um, 
okay with uh, the fact that uh, I um, am going to move on with my career and mm-hmm. uh, and start this uh, venture. But um, so my sister and I, both of us, uh, you know, quit our jobs and we decided to do this full time. And then we we set off to to do this project and we just couldn't get the ingredients that we need to make the cider. So, mm-hmm. w- I mean, what's what's the most important ingredient? It's the apples, the right? Apples. So, yeah. so apples, getting the apples here in Northeast is very, very, very difficult. Yes. So, um, you know, my sister and I went and, uh, you know, made phone calls after phone calls and, you know, with no luck, uh, and and we decided to really um, plant our own um, orchard because that was the only logical thing. You know, like, yeah. I, I want to make cider. I can't get the apples. Let me plant uh, trees mm-hmm. to produce the right fruit. So um, that kind of led me to a different area and that now now not only am i making cider now i have to be a farmer yeah so, yeah, yeah. And farming is uh you know it's, it's it's different and i i don't have any experience with uh you know growing apples um i i have some experience with growing grapes but not not with apples uh, and um it, it was very challenging um so, but uh, we we managed to to plant um, eight thousand trees uh, up yeah. in uh, New Pulse, and um, I think um, we'll have some decent quantity apples in in short time. So mm-hmm. we actually um, uh, uh, before um, getting the land, we actually acquired. Um, uh, cuttings and and the uh, the, the trees. So mm-hmm. we we had the trees that were all set. So um, we we got the cuttings and, and sent it to a to a nursery, and then uh, we didn't have any place to <laughs> didn't have a place plant to them. Okay, <laughs> so yeah. we were we we were yeah. forced to find a home for these uh, eight thousand trees. So, mm-hmm. um, but you did up in New Pots and yeah. how many acres? Uh, it, it's 200 acres, 200 acres. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and 100 acres is uh, used uh, for cultivating uh, uh, mostly apples, uh, and then 100 acres is used for um, just wild land uh, mm-hmm. for, for keeping the uh, uh, native bee population up Great. Uh, and, and uh, all the beneficials, so mm-hmm. um, you know, insects and uh, so it's, it's it's a nice balance there. Mm-hmm. And does by default do you become a a farm? Aren't you under farm license? Is, yeah, we, is that a we, default we, thing, or do you do you have to apply for? I don't know. We, we apply for. Yeah, okay. we 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 have a farm cider license. Cool. Uh, so yeah. Very cool. Uh, what kinds of apples did you plant, and like how did you decide which ones to do? Since you had no experience in cider making previously. Uh, well, I, uh, what I, I, after I fell in love with, uh, the cider from, uh, from the Basque country, um, I, I tried ciders from all over the world, um, and, and trying to discover and understand, um, apples. And I, I realized that, uh, it's actually not 
so different uh, in cider um, as in wine. So I, I, I tend to like uh, ciders that are actually high uh, in acidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I like dry um, cider and uh, it, it should be balanced and, and structured and structure comes from tannin so I knew that I, I needed you know two of the most important components is really acid and tannins mm. uh, and you have you don't have that in the table apples uh, in the table apples you get only sugar so, uh, well actually that's not true you, you get some acidity but you know medium quality acidity my next question was going to be about the cider we're drinking, uh, oh, yes. but we're going to take a really quick break. Thanks for listening to Ferment About It. Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, the first to pioneer colorful enameled cookware over 90 years ago. They've been a favorite for generations through the meals and memories the cookware creates and the style it expresses. My name is Kat Johnson. I'm the communications director at Heritage Radio Network. When I'm not making food radio, I'm making food, and my favorite cookware is the eight-quart marine blue Dutch oven that never leaves my stovetop. Before we got our Le Creuset, the cookware we used most often was an antique Griswold cast iron pan. It didn't take long for me to realize how much I'd been missing enamel cast iron in my life. Le Creuset has the superior heat retention of cast iron, but paired with the unparalleled performance and ease of enamel. That means delicious food with easy cleanup. Head to lecreuset.com slash HRN, that's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com slash HRN to see all the new products and amazing holiday gift deals. HRN listeners will get 20% off the new Le Creuset cookbook with the code HRN. Welcome back to Ferment About It. It is November 1st, 2018, and here in the studio we have Peter Yee of Brooklyn Cider House. Uh, thanks for jo- again for joining us. Uh, we very much enjoyed the first half of this whole operation, uh, talking about uh, what brought you here. But now you're here, and we have in front of us a cider that you poured for us. Can you tell us about this cider? Sure. Um, the cider that you're drinking is called Solstice. And uh, the Solstice is a... Um, a Basque-inspired um, cider, um, but something um, slightly different happened. Uh, so it's it's kind of um, a accident that happened, um, but it's it's a good accident, not a bad bad accident. So it, it picked up some different uh, characteristic. Um, so uh, we isolated it and, and bottled it. Uh, so it's it's a little bit funkier than your typical bass cider um mm-hmm. and there's definitely a, a, a touch of that uh that bread uh mm-hmm. that that kind of comes through a little bit but it's it's not it's huge not amount it's, it's just just a touch of of bread and we kept it under control and you know it, it's a bass cider with uh you know just a extra funk mm-hmm. yeah yeah let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit so what 
is a, a Basque style cider compared to like a, I don't know, any other kind of cider? And uh, what exactly happened to this batch? Um, I I think that um, the, you know, with with the Basque Basque style cider, um, the, typically the difference is uh, the it's it, it goes through a fermentation without the use of sulfur. Okay. So it, it's a it's a it's a very similar practice as uh, natural wine. So it, um, it, so um, during the, the primary fermentation, um, it, it's just you know we don't add any um, sulfites or anything else uh, to it, um, and it goes through a um, a very natural fermentation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it can get a little bit funky. Um, it it it's. A um, little bit different each and every year, uh, so um, you you never really know exactly where it's going, um, and we try to pick it up whenever it's a little bit. Uh, if it goes too dark, too deep, uh, then we try to either isolate it or we try to bring it back. You know, mm-hmm. at that point when it gets really funky, we might think about adding some SO2. Okay. Yeah. So, what's the process from like start um, to finish? So, start to finish. So, yeah. So, basically, After you know, cider. Apples. You 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 um, harvest the apples. You crush the apples, um, and um, you you start the fermentation. So, once once you have the juice, you want to ferment it. So, bass cider, you don't add SO two. Mm-hmm. With the conventional cider, you'll you'll add SO two, um, and the difference is. The SO2 will um, kill off a lot of the, the natural yeast if you if you add it. If you don't add the uh, uh, SO2, then it kind of encourages the natural yeast to to uh, ferment. Um, natural yeast, how is that different from a uh, yeast that you add? Um, it gives off slightly different flavors and uh, sure. the flavors could uh, some people really like it some people don't um, it is sometimes unusual and and many times it's unpredictable yeah um, so so like what happened with this batch yeah with this batch uh, we it, it kind of uh, went to the dark side and uh, we um, I think in a beautiful way. I yeah. mean, I'm drinking it. I really enjoy the acidity nice. and, and the funkiness that in, in a balanced way. There's still some back sweetness on that that, that kind of rounds it all out that mm-hmm. I, I very much mm. enjoy. And the carbonation cutting through. The, the car- carbonation is uh, it's just uh, a natural carbonation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually a um, still cider, so it's, it's actually a flat cider, okay. mm-hmm. but it has like, just, just just natural enough. natural carbonation mm-hmm. that uh, on its own. Yeah, it's like yeah. maybe one volume CO2. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Um, it's the acidity also that that's kind of bringing it. Yeah. So how many different types of ciders are you doing then, like a, uh, as Brooklyn Cider House? Um, we, we have five labels, mm-hmm. um, but we, we're, you know, we, we make a lot of ciders. Um, so I would... Most you know, of... Every year we'll, we'll make... I don't know, um, many different ciders. Uh, this year, we're going to probably um, make a um, five um, that 
for, for sure that we're going to make and then we'll we'll make somewhere between you know five and 20 different ciders that uh, you That's know we may or may not it's all like experimental sure. stuff so if we like it uh, with the if we like the experimental experimental cider we'll um, um, try it again the following year and mm-hmm. then you know make us a, a larger batch and if we like it um, again then we'll, we'll, we'll you know either add it on as our regular cider or you know just uh, you know keep growing that uh, sure. yeah production um, going back to your qu- question uh, mm-hmm. Michelle um, so the bass cider um, I think that one of the, the major difference between a bass setter and um, the um, the non bass setter is um, uh, there there is this um, slightly funky character, mm-hmm. um, um, and typically bass setter is very dry, um, but it's different um, than the um, the conventional uh, ciders, um, although it's dry, it's also like um, it goes through this. Um, I call it uh, the microbial fermentation. So okay. it goes through a third fermentation. So most ciders uh, go through one fermentation. There, uh, then there are some ciders that go through two. So the first fermentation that all ciders go through is called alcoholic fermentation. Right. Um, the second fermentation that some ciders go through is called malolactic fermentation. Mm-hmm. Then the third fermentation that um, the the bass ciders go through is the microbial fermentation. So that that's a fermentation that takes place that's similar to like kimchi or um, kombucha or um, sauerkraut. So it goes through a a third fermentation, which is um, you know it. it actually pickles the cider Hmm. Um, but that pickling um, um, that cider or microbial fermentation what that does is that makes that cider super friendly with food it actually screams food when you drink the ciders that go through that third fermentation wow yeah so speaking of food uh you do a lot of interesting pairings at your cider house. Like it's your whole like kind of raison d'etre to pair cider with food. So tell us a little bit about the food and cider going on at, at Brooklyn Cider House. So um, the food in the ba- uh, the the Brooklyn Cider House, um, we it's it's inspired from the the Basque region right. um, because my favorite food happens to be the Basque food. And I fell in love with the Basque cider. So before falling in love with the Basque cider, I was in love with Basque food. Hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's the place where, where I spent a lot of time. So um, I love the food there. And I, I actually cook a lot of Basque food at home because I am in love with our, uh, the, the food. And because my experience, uh, the cider experience, uh, was so profound, I wanted to actually reproduce my experience uh, uh, from the, the, the uh, cider house there. So um, the cider house is really known for incredible uh, 
chuleta or, or um, the um, steak. Um, so we, we have a porterhouse steak that we grill. Um, and it's, it's just simple preparation. It's, it's made without butter. Um, it's a natural beef from, from uh, Cedar River Farm. Uh, and it's just simply grilled with uh, sea salt. Um, and it's a, we use uh, like Argentine style um, sea salt. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's just absolutely juicy and tasty. It's, it's, it's spectacular. Um, but also we do like a tortilla, a tortilla de bacalao. Tortilla is not made with corn. It's actually a, uh, it's, it's kind of like an omelet. So it's an egg-based uh, dish, uh, and we we add uh, cod. Um, bacalao is is dry cod, so it's a traditional way of um, preserving fish. So um, back in the old days, before refrigeration, right. um, you, you, it, it was difficult to store fish. So you know the the Basque people have figured out how to store fish. And uh, it, it's a, a lot of drying, <laughs> drying, salted, then drying on proce- uh, mm-hmm. process. And uh, we use that, um, uh, the same bacalao um, from, from very cold waters from Iceland. Oh. And then uh, we get it, we bring it in um, whole, and then we desalt it for three days, and then uh, pick it uh, by hand. And then we make a tortilla, traditional oh tortilla de bacalao. So it's a, um, it's it's incredible dish. So the the fish actually um, going through this drying process, um, it tastes like crab meat. So if you're mm. you know if you're into like crab meat, it's it's spectacular. So it's like egg and crab meat. Wow. I have questions there regarding desalting yeah. a, a salted, a dried salted fish. What, what is that water. process? Is it just a soaking water? <laughs> well, it's like space fish. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you have to. Um, it, it comes really dried and uh, um, really super salty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't just consume this, uh, you know, right out of uh, you know. Um, straight, uh, so you have to really start this uh, um, desalting process, and it, it's basically um, you have to change the water. So you give a lot of water to this fish, and and let it uh, hydrate and uh, and release the salt, and you have to keep changing the Changing water right. uh and, and there's a yeah, yeah and, and i i didn't know this but i i found out from um the the grandmas uh from and because i i tried to get this information from like the restaurants and they they were like no we're not giving you uh <laughs> this, this information so i found out from the the grandmas that uh the best way to desalt the the bacalao is you have to keep the skin side up uh-huh. So, uh, so uh, you keep the skin skin side up, and you change the water three times a day. So, uh, eight hours a day, oh my God. change the water, and then three days, uh, you're you're good. But also, it you know there is an art. So not every piece uh, is is three days equal, right? Not, yeah. So not equal. some are a little more, some a little less, and mm-hmm. you have to play with that to to really 
you know, to, to figure out what is the optimal. So each piece, you have to take a look at it and, and see, oh yeah, this is definitely a, uh, you know, three and a half day uh, bacalao. Sure. Or, yeah, so sure. we actually sort it and then we we put it in, in, in wa uh, water and then, you know, after, um, you know, th uh, three day plus, uh, you, you have incredible bacalao. And then to that regard, you know, we just discussed two different dishes, but you have five core right. ciders. Sure. Which ones would you pair with each one of these? Um, well, let, let, let's, um, th there's also the, um, the vegetables. Uh, I, I, uh, I love vegetables and especially when it's in season. So, uh, we, we have this, uh, grilled vegetable dish, uh, that, uh, we serve with chorizo or, mm -hmm. You know, for vegetarians, uh, it would be without the chorizo. But um, it's it's grilled. Uh, we we currently do like um, Roma beans, and mm. we we do um, uh, Brussels sprouts, and and, and the, the whole garlic. Uh, you know, Ooh, whole garlic yeah. roasted is good. Yeah. So carrots, and uh, we're we're going to add. Uh, I think starting tomorrow, we're going to add some. Um, uh, squash because oh, it's nice. in season it's now. Season, so yeah, yeah. so squash, yeah. yeah, we we have that. We also do a, a cheese uh, cheese course with uh, with walnuts, um, and I love cheese and walnuts. And, and most people don't know how to like eat a whole walnut. You know, we we don't we don't serve walnuts that's already that are de-shelled. De yeah, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. you got to so, get a nutcracker. Yeah, yeah and, and we, I, I, I think it's fun. It a is whole lot totally of fun, fun to, you know, learn how to, you know, break open a walnut. I uh, have small hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like my walnuts de-shelled. <laughs> but yeah, so what would you, uh, of your ciders, uh, what what would you pair with those particular foods? And, and why? What's, yeah. ha what's happening? There? Yeah. Um... The, you know, when, when you have the experience there with uh, the, the prefix menu, um, you're, you're having all different forms of the raw. So mm -hmm. you, you catch cider uh, from the, uh, the giant barrels that we have. We have some barrels that are like 3,500 um, gallon um, barrels that that are made Just from chestnut mm -hmm. uh wood so you, you there's a spigot and you catch we we open the spigot and you're catching the cider from the barrel and you have you, you catch the cider in between courses so you don't wait for food you actually go catch cider and you socialize mm -hmm. and and then when your food is ready you go back and have the next course so this this experience is I didn't invent this experience. This is experience that I had that made me fall in love with cider. So and and this was like in middle of like nowhere in the mountains in the Basque uh, <laughs> region. Um, but I I thought this could really be fantastic. So for sure, you know you, you're you're walking around. You're not just sitting and 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 in one place the whole night uh, during your, your dining experience, you're actually moving around. So you get to actually speak to the people that are um, sitting maybe a little bit further away in your table. You're also um, getting to a uh, um, chance to, to meet some of uh, the, the people that 
are sitting across, you know, like uh, not your table, but a different table. Because once you have some cider in your system, you're much more relaxed and you're, you're just kind of, you know, having fun and, you know, you're bumping elbows with a lot of cider in your system. And it's a very friendly environment. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, everything is very casual and relaxed. And, and um, you know, every time I go to a cider house in the Basque region, I make a ton of friends. Uh, it's a great place to meet people. You've um, created a really great environment over there for that. They're definitely feeling, feeling all those things. Yeah. So when you do the, 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 that course, you've, you've got uh, these, these different ciders going on uh, per per course, mm -hmm. right? Uh, some of the ciders you have are a little bit more acidic than others. This one's funkier. Um, with the meat, what what characters do you like going through that? Uh, with, with the meat, um, we currently are serving the, the cider um, from uh, uh, the name of uh, that cider is, is called Goldilocks. <laughs> and, that, and the Goldilocks is actually um, it's at a really great um, time right now because it, it's the ripest cider and and when I say the word ripe I think people don't really understand what I mean when I say ripe um, it doesn't mean that the apples were really sweet when I harvested them right. what it what it means is the third fermentation is um, really um, at, at the right time mm -hmm. so um, it, it doesn't need to, it's, it's, um, uh, it doesn't need any more time. So you're drinking it at the optimal time. So it's actually just before bottling. Um, so yeah, typically more um, tart ciders go well with meat. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's really incredible how well the, the cider and the steak works together like i would not would if i if i was right? not in this business and, and you know yeah. and i was i was in wine and someone would tell me this i would not believe them mm -hmm. um because like i don't, I don't want to tr be drinking white beverage with, with this dark red yeah, yeah red, red thing, meat thing, yeah. but it, it works so well um i i don't think red wine would work better than the cider mm -hmm. i mean i i, I can I can certainly uh, say with some confidence that it, it's just as good as red wine, if not better. Um, yeah. We often do some, or well, not often. Mary and I used to do a lot of uh, food and beer pairings, and uh, we're still doing that. Still but do we lot, used yeah. to do, used to do. Uh, occasionally, we would do like maybe once a quarter, we'd do a wine versus beer kind of course thing. So we, Mary and I, would pick our pick our beers for the courses, and then. And then uh, we, a different wine person would do the wines. And we always won, of course, because, you know, I, I think beer is better with food. And <laughs> apparently so do the people we were dealing with. You know. um, but I have never done it with cider or not, or not with that sort of intentionally. So yeah. this, I'm not throwing down a glove and challenging it all, but, uh, not, but I'm yet. Excited. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> oh, so. What what next for the Cider House? Uh, what, what are yeah, the moves? And, and uh, so, so you have the, the, the Cider House that you've built here in Brooklyn. How old is it? Uh, and and the reaction has been amazing. Mm -hmm. it, it's been beautiful. Um, it, we opened it December of 2017. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to uh, have a one-year one anniversary uh, very soon. So mm -hmm. um, mm, 
And um, I mean, what's new and exciting? Um, we're, we are um, canning some cider. That's very exciting. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Right now, you, you you do have bottles in stores, and they're generally 750 milliliter. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we, we have 750, but uh, we also have kegs. And, okay. Um, we have 12 ounce as, as well, but uh, we, we're, we'll be canning um, very soon. But, you know, right now we're, um, we're, we're only in New York State, so upstate New York and New York City. But we, we have just sold our, um, our, our first pallet of cider to Japan. Hey, so, all right. Um, that's kind of exciting. Um, uh, and, Most uh, of the production is happening upstate too, right? For for these, for yeah. These. We we actually we actually produce in uh, three different locations. Okay. So um, uh, we we our our location here in in Bushwick. Um, we also make a cider uh, up in Geneva, and, and also Lafayette. So you know, two upstate locations and and one here. Uh, here in uh, Bushwick. Can you visit uh, the locations? Mm. You can visit your orchard, you right? Well, you, you can certainly, I mean, we certainly welcome you here in, in Bushwick, but the other locations are, are just know, productions. Rent, well, it, it's not our space. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. So, it's, but, it's a, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a rental. Yeah. But the orchards or the, the at uh, in New Paltz. Right. Oh, the, the New Paltz. Yeah. And, and New Paltz, we're going to also, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely make that into a, um, a, a cedary as well. So it's a place for uh, production in the future, but it's not ready yet because all the equipment from there, we have moved to Brooklyn. Okay. okay. So okay. There, there's it. no equipment there now at this time. Take it. Um, so in, in a few years, I'm sure that that's going to take place. I've only seen pictures of the big red barn. Oh. That, so <laughs> yeah. So up at the orchard, what you, what you can find at the orchard is uh, lots of apple trees uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the baby apple trees, 8,000 uh, newly planted mm-hmm. uh, apple trees uh, that should start producing maybe next year. Uh, that's and uh, there, there's a uh, we we actually do a um, uh, you know some food there. There's a pavilion, so we we do wood fire uh, foods. Uh, uh, we we try to uh, we attempt at uh, making some pizza out there mm-hmm. uh, with uh, uh, wood fire, and uh, we do um, uh, um, some some simple uh, grilled uh, foods up there. Um, and um, yeah. Oh, the the other thing I wanted to uh, let you know that is during the cider week, uh, we we are having this uh, incredible tasting um, on Sunday, uh, the eleventh. Uh, we'll have a bunch of uh, people from the the cidery, uh, around twenty different cideries. So they're going Boom. to show up. And, uh, and you're doing that at you're doing that at, at, at the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Cider House. House. I did read about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think at I eleven hundred. Go yeah. Yes. <laughs> in in Bushwick. So, yes. uh, and it's I, free, right? It's free, and it's uh, I think it's eleven to four. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Get there at night. Yeah, try to get there early because <laughs> I yeah. I can't guarantee, uh, you know, if, if you come capacity. late. Um, sure. So, 
yeah, that's happening. And then uh, in the evening time, there is a dinner uh, where we're going to to um, you know cider uh, food and uh, and cider pairing. So it'll be more kind of um, attention to detail type of sure. uh, yeah, food, but uh, yeah, it, and with a lot of really special ciders that, that uh, right. everyone's bringing. Yeah, Very that exciting. sounds really great. We're just about out of time yeah, with all uh, of this. Yeah, so uh, Peter, where can people find you on the internet or people find your cider house on the internet or wherever? Oh, also, where is it located? I know we said Bushwick, but... Uh, the the lo- location is 1100 Flushing Avenue. Uh, our website is brooklynciderhouse.com. Uh, and you can find us uh, on our website. There's a list of all the uh, different uh, vendors that carry our cider. Right now, it's, it's really only available in New York City. Um, oh, New York State. Uh, so, yeah, New York City and State. Thanks for doing what That's you do. What you oh, and I have a, if you want to uh, check out Brew for a Cure, it's at <laughs> well brew, it's brewingupacure.org. You, you could also go to the wellbrooklyn.com. They have all their events there. You can there. also Google Brew a Cure. <laughs> brew for a Cure. All right. All right. Thanks for listening Thank to Fomet so About much. It. Peter Yee. Cheers. Fomet About It. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.